You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hello everybody, welcome to another brand new podcast for Extraordinary Leaders. I'm going to be joined today, or we are, with our senior pastor, Sophia Barrett. Welcome to, uh, well, your podcast, I guess. Greetings, everyone. Um, And so what we're going to be doing today is going to be having a conversation, uh, as always, about leadership. Yes. Um, This year, we've been looking at multiplying ourselves. How do we develop other people? How can we grow? How can we create a culture of growth in our church and in our lives? And uh, we're just going to carry on that conversation. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So what we're going to do is start off by looking in the Bible, Matthew 18. There is a parable that we call the unforgiving servant. The parable of the unforgiving servant goes like this in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave all his debts. But when the man left the king, he went out to a a fellow servant who owed him, (laughs) who owed him just a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little bit more time. Be patient with me, he said, and I'll pay you, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. So then the king called in the man who'd been forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. What an amazing story. It is an amazing story. Of essentially double standards. Definitely. Do what I say, but not as I do. (laughs) Correct. For sure. In life, um, audacious leaders, we sit in two chairs. So as we grow up, we're either in a leader chair or we are in the other chair being led. Yeah, so a leader's chair and a follower's chair. That's right. And it can happen in every stage of life. It can be happened. Um, it can be happen. It can happen um, through age. Yeah. You know, if you're older or if you're younger. Okay. So if you're older, then it's kind of accepted that you're in the leader's chair. That's right. And the follower is the younger person. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. But they're decided by other things, I guess, these chairs. That's right. It can be in an organizational structure. It can be at work. Yeah. Okay. You can be a team leader mm-hmm. um, and you can be part of the team. Yeah. You could be the boss. Yeah. Or be part of a multiple boss yeah. kind of organization maybe maybe, um, maybe it's just a bit more subtle than that just like confidence like I'm more confident than you so therefore I'm the leader that's right there's always one in there yeah. in a friendship group uh-huh. where they 
whatever they say, everybody just kind of follows. Oh, along. you oh you jump into the leader's chair because you got more knowledge on a certain thing. Yeah, you know, you go into like a certain area or like, oh, this is where I'm from. I'll take I'll take the lead. So basically, you're you're always in a chair. And you're jumping in and out of those chairs all the time, depending on the circumstances, depending on who you're with, depending on what's happening. You're either in the leader's chair or the follower's chair. That's that's what we're saying. That's right. And it can, you can be in either multiple times a day. Yeah. And um, this chair can um, determine how you're going to be. Determines uh, the way you talk, the way you think, the way you act, your attitude. Um, just to help explain that, let's just throw out a list of expectations of people when they're in the leader's chair. What, what do we expect of leaders, Pastor So? We kind of expect them to be confident. Okay, so if you're in the leader's chair, everybody knows um, that you're supposed to be confident. So you kind of know, oh, I've got I to gotta raise my game here in terms of confidence. All right, what else? Yeah, maybe um, a level of expertise or a level of, of knowledge. All right, com- competent, basically. Confident, competent, I would say um, mature. Like, you know, it's, it's rare. In a supermarket, it's, it's, it's not rare to see a toddler kicking and screaming and a parent going, all right, we'll just wait till you're finished. If it was the other way around, that would be weird. That would be really Like weird. a dad, like myself, and I felt like doing it before, like lay on the ground. It's kind of like, no, it's not expected. It's supposed to be mature when you're in the leader's chair. That's right. You're supposed to know when to rein in your emotion. Yeah, exactly. Emotionally resilient, um, creative. There's another thing, you know, solution focused. Absolutely. Yeah. Always looking for what the possibilities are. Yeah. So we could go and go and go and you would be able to go around, you know, the room wherever you are and, and, and come up with a list of expectations. We know what we think of leaders and we know really and try to be that uh, ourselves as leaders. When we're in the chair, we, we do that. Yeah, we do. We're always looking for vision, uh-huh. you know, the end the destination yeah. and making sure that our priorities and our responsibilities all line up yeah. with where we're going. And that's good. It's not a criticism. It's kind of like what we all understand. The problem with the parable is there was a moment where it says in verse 28, but the man left the king. So in other words, he was one way because that's what was expected. But when he left the king, there was a change. And this is the incredible moment, the challenge moment for you audacious leader as you're listening to this or you're watching this or you're thinking this through um, is really to begin to ask the question who determines who decides what tells me how I'm going to be if I'm in the leader's chair I understand I'm supposed to be x y and z but what about when you're in the follower's chair is that license to be different if you can be one in one chair should you be one in the other for example we were talking about how Sometimes you don't realize you you don't realize that you've got like nobody put it this way. Nobody would kind of say, oh, yeah, I'm I'm I've, I'm two faced. That's just what I'm like. You know, I, I, I say one thing to one person and then I just do something to someone else. Nobody says that. We all think we, everybody says, oh, I'm just one of those people where, you know, what you see is what you get. Everybody says that. But sometimes there's a moment where you realize, oh, for the servant in the story, it was like when the king brings him back in and says, hello, McFly, I forgave you. Why didn't you? It's like, why didn't moment. you do it? Yeah, exactly. And mm. we were talking about um, King David and the prophet Nathan. You know, David's sinned, made a mistake. 
Nathan, the man of God prophet, comes in and tells him a well, story. Well, let's just um, pa- unpack that. So okay. David um, commits a sin with Bathsheba. He um, sleeps with somebody else's wife and then the… Covers it up. Covers it up. <laughs> kind of. Kind of puts uh, the husband in a place where he knows he'll probably get killed. The husband gets killed. It's a big mess. And the prophet Nathan goes to confront David but does it in a really, really clever way. Yeah, so he basically tells the story. He says, David, I want to tell you about um, two guys, one that's got loads of sheep and one that's only got one sheep. And the guy with loads of sheep takes the guy with one sheep, one sheep, and uh, takes it as his own, even though he's got loads of sheep. What do you think? And David's like, who is that man? Show him to me. Like, bring him here before me now. I'm going to teach him a lesson or two. He had all those sheep and he took that other guy's sheep. And, da, da, da. and Nathan kind of like says this killer moment. You can imagine all the strings and the orchestra build to a crescendo and then stop when Nathan says, you are the man. Yeah, that's you, David. That's you. You did that because you got all this influence, all this power, all this awesome stuff. And there's this little guy who's just faithful. He's just serving, just doing it. And you took what didn't belong to you. And that's the like, yeah, gut-wrenching moment. And uh, for us to grow as leaders, I think we've got to not just handle those moments, but maybe even ask for those moments. Show me, Holy Spirit. Like illuminate to me where I'm, where I'm missing the bullseye, where I'm, you know, I've got double standards. For example, you know, we would expect a leader to maybe not be ruled and, you know, um, led by their emotions. Okay. We would expect them to be able to know the difference between living by principles and living by their emotions. If somebody, if a leader was led by their emotions, you would say that is not a good leader. Yeah. But there are times when perhaps when we're not in the leader's chair where we think it's okay to be led by our emotions. Yeah. And not necessarily think I've got to, I've got to rein this in. Yeah. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, absolutely. And what it is, is that we're, we're literally allowing these metaphoric chairs that don't really exist to determine, to be the thermostat for our leadership, to tell us how we're going to be. So, for example, I'm a leader and, um, you know, somebody is being immature and I'm kind of like, you know, not. I'm, I'm in the leader's chair, so I'm responding this way. I'm trying to help them, trying to encourage them. I'm keeping calm. I'm keeping perspective. I'm kind of like saying, come on now. Think about it. You know, let's just have a conversation. No, it isn't that. Consider this, right? I'm controlled. You know, the next day when I'm talking to my leader, so I'm in the the other chair, I'm like emotionally all over the place. It's like the chair has given me permission to forget everything that I dug deep the day before to like walk in. It's like giving me permission like, well, you don't have to be like that because you're not the leader in this scenario. Newsflash. Newsflash, audacious leaders, the chairs don't exist. They're not real. It's a metaphor that should not have the power. The verse should never be in the parable, but the man left the king. Because we are who God says we are. And so if you have an ability to find some courage in the leader's chair, you can find the same courage in the follower's chair. If you are able to 
get some godly perspective on behalf of someone else when you're in the leader's chair, you you can do it. You can when, do it for yourself. Yes, absolutely. You're the same person. You're the same person in both chairs because guess what? The chairs don't exist. Let me just kind of put it into context. Here's, there's many illustrations that we could use. And I'm hoping that when you guys get together for your leadership life groups, that you discuss some of these scenarios. But here's one. I heard a, a, a preacher say recently, consistency kills compliments. Consistent, consistency kills compliments. In other words, the more you act and think like a leader, the fewer uh, celebration moments for that there are. Yeah, so when you first start in leadership and you do a good job, you might get from, say, the people who are leading you, a big well done, pat on the back, that was outstanding. Yeah, they'll, the, they'll, they'll, they'll maybe even call you beforehand. Hey, I know you're, I know you're doing that thing today and just yeah. letting you know I'm thinking about you, I believe in you, you're going to do a great job. You're going to smash it. Yeah, you're going to smash it and then you do it and it's probably actually not that great, but you had a good try and so afterwards they might text you or they might call you again or they'll be like oh you were well done mate you took a real big risk right and it feels great it feels awesome but the more you show up and the more you are consistent with 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 being a leader it starts to tail off a bit yeah you don't get the well done's anymore or the slaps on the back or maybe those texts saying i know you're what's happening tomorrow just want you to know you know you're going to be awesome Maybe you don't get those texts anymore and suddenly it starts to feel like, well, maybe I'm not appreciated. Maybe yeah. I'm being taken for granted. Exactly, taken for granted. And so um, what happens is we end up in a scenario where if you want to be affirmed all the time, just be great every now and again. And that's why people, um, don't even know if I can say this out loud, it's why people like leave the church and go to another church because they're shiny and new and do something great and everyone's like oh wow great you're great fantastic but there will come a moment when people are yet uh, less surprised when you do a good job and more like um re relying on relying on you yeah they've well, you've now become consistent and yep. so that's what people have come to expect that you turn up consistently and you do your best okay. so, so it seeks it, it ceases to be amazing anymore yeah. yeah so um two chairs two applications if you're in the followers chair right then this truth that we've just discussed consistency kills compliments what we have to do with that is recognize look don't misinterpret this diminishing of attention as a lack of love a lack of care or a lack of appreciation but actually as a sign of growth because you've moved from the fringe to the you know from the occasional flashes of brilliance to essentially a foundational um, ingredient in making the thing work. Making church work. You don't go and check the foundations. Once they're laid and they're solid, you just trust that they're solid and you build on them continually. Another layer, another floor, another floor. We keep going, we keep going. Or maybe not a, another way of looking at it is not a, found, not a foundation but a pillar. Like nobody celebrates a pillar, but if you move the pillar, the whole thing falls down. So in the follower's chair, you just got to go, you know what? I'm a pillar. Yeah. If I'm not getting the constant or the, the encouragement I used to get, 
chances are it's because I'm trusted now. Yeah. I've become a key part of... of and, and, and you ask yourself the question, like, what is being made possible by my strength as a foundational ingredient in this um, organization? Or what is being maintained or held up by my strength as a pillar in this scenario? Don't, don't misinterpret it. Don't get negative. Don't fill in the blanks that used to be filled with encouragement. Don't fill in those blanks with a negative assumption like, oh, they don't appreciate me. They're probably, you know, probably looking for the next person. Just know this, that you're doing something great. Sleep like a baby because you're doing something great for God. But when you're in the leader's chair, um, remember the faithful. That's right. It's like a great paradox. I've said there's two chairs and, and you're the same person in both, but they don't exist. And now I'm saying... When you're in each chair, think differently. <laughs> this is like, it is it's a paradox. Now I'm saying, listen, when you're in the leader's chair, with this issue, you know how it feels to not get the call and to not get the text. So remember to be faithful. Uh, remember to appreciate the faithful, um, the people that don't demand your attention, the people that you rely on. Hey, every now and again, say to them, hey, you know what? Look at all this that we're doing because you are faithful. You are faithful. What we do is the other way around. We expect when we're in the leader's chair that we don't need to do that because, you know, nobody does it for us. But we're in the follower's chair. We're like, nobody tells me, you know, and we get all stroppy about it. Listen, you're a great leader. You're a great ingredient in making this um, as it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let me just say that to you. It says, so speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope. So you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this, just keep on doing it. That's right. We need the encouragement, that's for sure. But if one of your team members came to you and said, I just feel like nobody encourages me, what you would instantly say as a leader is, no, you are trusted, you are uh, appreciated. Um, And if we're not saying it constantly, it's because we've learned to expect you to be consistent but we want you to know that you are appreciated but then now let's flick that let's flip it and now you as the leader are now part of the team so now you're you're the one who's actually thinking you know what I used to be encouraged by my team leader I don't feel like that that's happening anymore the same way you wanted to affirm your team member, when you're not getting that in return, you have to remind yourself what you said to your team member and know that if you're not hearing anything, it doesn't mean it's because people don't appreciate you. It's actually because you remember how you felt and you have to teach, tell yourself, speak to yourself and say, no, actually, I am appreciated. It's actually a great question to bring this to, to, into land is a a question that we can ask when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, be it, you know, feeling underappreciated or whatever. There will be a thousand different scenarios, like real stuff, like, you know, stuff that feels, well, that is real, right? So not being dismissive, but I would say that's a good question, which is, which is, I'll say it three different ways. What would a leader do? Like, what would a leader do in the situation that I'm in? Then go... When you're struggling. Yeah, then go, oh, I am a leader. So what would I do? In other words, what would I do in the leader's chair in this scenario? 
Or another way, three ways, the same question really. But what would I say, just like Pastor Soph just said, what would I say to someone coming to me with this feeling that I am feeling? What would I say to me if I was in the leader's chair and I came to me? Because inevitably the chair would cause us to, to come back with some meaningful response. To kind of maybe zoom out a bit. Okay, yeah, that's good. Get some perspective uh-huh. and maybe not allow the emotion to uh, tell us stuff that isn't true. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not an, an isolationist, you know, where everybody just needs to get on with it by themselves. No, there's definitely people involved in the process of asking that question. I need somebody to remind me, the people around my life to say, hey, just like Pastor Sov just said, zoom out. Just zoom, because you can't see when you're up against it. You can't see it. And to have someone come and say, hey, zoom out, that's, that's definitely what we need. And that's one of the awesome things about being part of the church is that God puts us in this like weird like family that like you just wouldn't even like, how could you pick this out from a lineup? But somehow we all ended up in this place. God's put us together. So let's maximize it. Let's make the most of it. And, and let's help each other recognize that God's called us to be extraordinary leaders. Absolutely. So extraordinary leaders, just remember that your one of your responsibilities is to help your team member or team members to gain some perspective, to zoom out from whatever challenge they're facing at that moment and maybe to get a better perspective, a clearer perspective. But as leaders, we all need that person in our world to help us when we're struggling to get the perspective that we need. All right. So the way this is going to come to life for you is in discussion with other people. However you've received this, however you're listening to it, maybe you're out for a run or you're laying on the couch or you're sat in traffic listening to this in the car. This is really part one. And part two is discussing this with your leadership life group. So we really need you to make your leadership life group this month a priority. Make sure you get there and go determined to... to to talk it out, to what to work it out through discussion. So you'll be asking questions like, how does this help me? Um, but also, how can I help? How can we use this to help other people? For sure. There's a treasure trove of truth and help in this concept that's going to make us even more extraordinary in our leadership. All right. So turn this big idea into something that really counts by making Leadership Life Group a priority this month. And we'll look forward to hearing all about it. God bless you.